as Scripture, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee, as to keep us from committing a overt or obvious sin. But you know the greatest sin is unbelief. And when we are faced with a situation to believe God in, and we don't believe God, that's sin. Say amen or oh me or I'm guilty or all three. It's the truth, isn't it? The greatest sin is not trusting God in every situation. And it is the Word of God that is hid in our hearts and the Holy Spirit that will sure you up and keep you in that hour. I am absolutely convinced of that, folks. Our brother stood tonight and testified that he's 78, been serving God since you were 20. Now, in my book, that's 58 years, right? Is that right? 58 years serving God. Has he ever let you down one time? That's good enough for me. But he also testified how he and his wife get up in the morning and start with the word of God in prayer. There are no guarantees to those who've got it on spiritual crews who don't have time to read the word and pray. Listen to me good tonight, because see, these are not babies here tonight. If you come out on Wednesday night, that means you're dedicated. Right? You're strong in the Lord. You can take it. There are no guarantees for folks who think that this Christian life is a bed of roses and all they have to do is say, I do, and kick back and relax until the rapture takes place. It ain't going to happen. I can tell you right now, if, if you're young in the Lord and you're just getting started out, there will be some tough times. But I like what one guy said, even though I don't particularly like his theology nor his program, but he said something that was good. He said, tough times never last, but tough people do. And uh, we're in those times when we need to get tough, don't we? Get deeper in God and closer to God because the tough times will come. If the wolf is at your door, invite him in for dinner. Just don't tell him that he's the dinner. <laughs> Philip II, king of Macedon, father of Alexander the Great, subdued or formed alliances with all the major Greek city-states except one stubbornly independent Sparta. Sparta would not submit. He tried every way, Philip did. Finally, he sent him a final ultimatum, a message. He said, you are advised to submit without further delay. For if I bring my army into your land, I will destroy your farms, slay your people, and raise your city. Sparta's reply was simple. It was one word, if. And as one historian said, recalling Sparta's glorious military past, Philip thought better of it and left them alone. Jesus Christ conquered every foe through his death and resurrection. There is nothing left, no battle to be fought. Sin has met its answer. Death, hell, and the grave have been overcome. Satan is defeated. What is there left? He is the conqueror. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And we are talking about, in this series, his death. And specifically tonight some unscriptural views of that death. Because, you see, unscriptural views of Christ's death stem from unscriptural views of sin. You're going to find that out as we study this tonight. People who do not believe that sin is a transgression of God's law and that it is punishable by death do not see the necessity of an atoning death of a Savior, namely Jesus Christ. 
If we understand sin as being so hideous, so vile, so dirty, as to eternally separate us from God and rendering us totally incapable of saving ourselves and causing death and destruction in its wake and that all men are born sinners, then it behooves us to understand and to realize and to confess that we need a Savior. Every man, woman, and child needs a Savior.